Chapter Four, Part Two of Constance Dunlap by Arthur B. Reeve. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Gamblers continued. As soon as she was likely to find places of business open, Constance started out on her search. It was early in the forenoon before she returned successful. The machine which she had had in mind proved to be an oak box, perhaps eighteen inches long by half the width and a foot deep. On its face it bore a little dial. Inside there appeared a fine wire on a spool which unwound gradually by clockwork, and after passing through a peculiar small arrangement was wound up on another spool. Flexible silk-covered copper wires led from the box. Carefully, Constance reached across the dizzy intervening space and drew in the slack Lamar telephone wires. With every care, she cut into them as if she were making an extension and attached the wires from the box. Perhaps half an hour later, the door buzzer sounded. Constance could scarcely restrain her surprise as Mrs. Lansing Noble stepped in quickly and shut the door herself. "'I don't want her to know I'm here,' she whispered, nodding across the hall. "'Won't you take off your things?' asked Constance cordially. "'No, I can't stay,' returned her visitor, nervously, pausing. Constance wondered why she had come. Was she, too, trying to warn a newcomer against the place? She said nothing. But now— that the effort had been made and the little woman had gone actually so far, she felt the reaction. She sank down into an easy chair and rested her pretty head on her delicately gloved hand. "'Oh, Mrs. Dunlap,' she began convulsively, "'I hope you will pardon an entire stranger for breaking in on you so informally, but—but but I can't—I can't help it. I must tell someone.' Accustomed as she was now to strange confidences, Constance bent over and patted the little hand of Mrs. Noble comfortingly. "'You seem to take it so coolly,' went on the other woman. "'For me, the glamour, the excitement are worse than champagne. But you could stop, even when you were winning. Oh, my God! What am I to do? What will happen when my husband finds out what I have done?' Tearfully, the little woman poured out the sordid story of her fascination for the game, of her losses, of the pawning of her jewels to pay her losses and keep them secret, if only for a few days, until that mythical time when luck would change.' "'When I started,' she blurted out with a bitter little laugh, "'I thought I'd make a little pin-money. "'That's how I began, with that and the excitement. "'And now this is the end.' "'She had risen and was pacing the floor wildly. "'Mrs. Dunlap,' she cried, pausing before Constance, "'today I'm nothing more nor less than a capper, as they call it, "'for a gambling resort.' "'She was almost hysterical. "'The contrast with the gay, respectable, "'prosperous-looking woman at Bellows was appalling.' constance realized to the full what were the tragedies that were enacted elsewhere as she looked at the despairing woman she could reconstruct the terrible situation cultivated well-bred fashionably gowned a woman like mrs noble served admirably the purpose of luring men on if there had been only women or only men involved it perhaps would not have been so bad but there were both constance saw that men were wanted men who could afford to lose not hundreds but thousands men who were always the heaviest players. And so Mrs. Noble and other unfortunate women, no doubt, were sent out on Broadway to the cafes and restaurants, sent out even among those of their own social circle, always to lure men on, to involve themselves more and more in the web into which they had flown. Bella had hoped even to use Constance. Mrs. Noble had paused again. There was evident sincerity in her as she looked deeply into the eyes of Constance. Nothing but desperation could have wrung her inmost secrets from her to another woman. 
"'I saw them trying to throw you together with Haddon Halsey,' she said almost tragically. "'It was I who introduced Haddon to them. I was to get a percentage of his losses to pay off my own. But—' Her feelings seemed to overcome her, and wildly, desperately she added, "'But I can't. I can't. I—I I must rescue him. I must!' It was a strange situation. Constance reasoned it out quickly. What a wreck of life these two were making! Not only they were involved, but others who as yet knew nothing. Mrs. Noble's husband, the family of Halsey. She must help. "'Mrs. Noble,' said Constance calmly, "'can you trust me?' She shot a quick glance at Constance. "'Yes,' she murmured. "'Then to-night visit Mrs. Lamar as though nothing had happened. Meanwhile, I will have thought out a plan.' It was late in the afternoon when Constance saw Halsey again, this time in his office, where he had been waiting impatiently for some word from her. The relief at seeing her showed only too plainly on his face. "'This inaction is killing me,' he remarked huskily. "'Has anything happened to-day?' She said nothing about the visit of Mrs. Noble. Perhaps it was better that each should not know yet that the other was worried. "'Yes,' she replied, "'much has happened. I cannot tell you now. But to-night let us all go again as though nothing had occurred.' "'They have twenty-five thousand dollars in stock certificates already, which I have given them,' he remarked anxiously. "'Some way, anyway, you must get them back for a time. Let me see some of the blanks.' Halsey shut the door. From a secret drawer of his desk he drew a package of beautifully engraved paper. Constance looked at it a moment. Then, with a fountain pen, across the front of each, she made a few marks. Halsey looked on eagerly. As she handed them back to him, not a sign showed on any of them. "'You must tell them that there is something wrong with the others, that you will give them other certificates of your own about which there is no question. Tell them anything to get them back. Here, take this other fountain pen. Sign the new certificates with that, in their presence, so that they will suspect nothing. Tonight I shall expect you to play up to the limit, to play into Mrs. Noble's hand and assume her losses, too. I shall meet you there at nine. Constance had laid her plans quickly. That night she waited in her own apartment until she heard Halsey enter across the hall. She had determined to give him plenty of time to obtain the old forged certificates and substitute for them the new forgeries. Perhaps half an hour later she heard Mrs. Noble enter. As Constance followed her in, the effusive greeting of Bella Lamar showed that as yet she suspected nothing. A quick glance at Halsey brought an answering nod and an unconscious motion toward his pocket where he had stuffed the old certificates carelessly. A moment later they had plunged into the game. The play that night was spirited. Soon the limit was the roof. From the start things seemed to run against Halsey and Mrs. Noble even worse than before. At the same time fortune seemed to favor Constance. Again and again she won, until even Watson seemed to think there was something uncanny about it. "'Beginner's luck,' remarked Bella with a forced laugh. Still, Constance won, not much, but steadily, though not enough to offset the larger winnings of Watson. Fast and furious became the play, and as steadily did it go against Halsey. Mrs. Noble retired, scarcely repressing the tears. Constance dropped out. Only Halsey and Watson remained, fighting as if it were a duel to the death. "'Please stop, Halsey,' pleaded Mrs. Noble. "'What is the use of tempting fortune?' An insane half-light seemed to glow in his eyes as, with a quick glance at Constance and a covert nod of approval from her, he forced a smile and playfully laid his finger on Mrs. Noble's lips. "'Double or quits, Watson,' he cried. "'Return the new certificates or take others for twice the amount. Are you game?' "'I'm on,' agreed Watson coolly. 
Halsey laid down his hand in triumph. There were four kings. I win, ground out Watson viciously, as he tossed down four aces. Constance was on her feet in a moment. You are a lot of cheats and swindlers, she cried, seizing the cards before anyone could interfere. Deftly, she laid out the four aces beside the four deuces, the four kings beside the four queens. It was done so quickly that even Halsey, in his amazement, could find nothing to say. Mrs. Noble paled and was speechless. As for Bella and Watson, nothing could have aroused them more than the open charge that they were using false devices. Yet never for a moment did Watson lose his iron cynicism. Prove it, he demanded. As for Mr. Halsey, he may pay, or I'll show the stock I already hold to the proper people. Constance was facing Watson, as calm as he. Show it, she said quietly. There was a knock at the door. Don't let anyone in ordered Bella of the maid, who had already opened the door. A man's foot had been inserted into the opening. "'What's the matter, Chloe?' "'Good Lord, Miss Bella! We done been raided!' burst out the maid, as the door flew wholly open. Halsey staggered back. "'A detective!' he exclaimed. "'Oh, what shall I do?' wailed Mrs. Noble. "'My husband will never forgive me if this becomes known.' Bella was as calm as a good player with a royal straight flush. "'I've caught you at last!' fairly hissed Drummond. And you too, Mrs. Dunlap. Watson, I overheard something about some stock. Let me see it. I think it will interest international surety, as well as exporters and manufacturers. Through the still open door, Constance had darted across the hall to her apartment. Not so fast, cried Drummond. You can't escape. The front door is guarded. You can't get out. She was gone, but a moment later emerged from the darkness of her rooms, carrying the oak box. As she set it down on the card table, no one said a word. Deliberately, she opened the box, disclosing two spools of wire inside. To the machine, she attached several headpieces, such as a telephone operator wears. She turned a switch, and the wire began to unroll from one spool and wind up on the other again. A voice, or rather voices, seemed to come from the box itself. It was uncanny. "'Hello, is this Mrs. Lamar?' came from it. "'What is it?' whispered Halsey, as if fearful of being overheard. A telegraphone, replied Constance, shutting it off for a moment. A telegraphone? What is that? A machine for registering telephone conversations, dictation, anything of the sort you wish. It was invented by Vladimir Poulsen, the Danish Edison. This is one of his new wire machines. The record is made by a new process, localized charges of magnetism on this wire. It is as permanent as the wire itself. There is only one thing that can destroy them, rubbing over the wire with this magnet. Listen. She had started the machine again. Whose voice was it calling Bella? Constance was looking fixedly at Drummond. He shifted uneasily. How much is he in for now? pursued the voice. Halsey gasped. It was Drummond's own voice. Two hundred and fifty shares, replied Bella's voice. Good. Keep him at it. Don't lose him. Tonight I'll drop in. And your client will make good? she anxiously. Absolutely. We will pay five thousand dollars for the evidence that will convict him. Constance's little audience was stunned, but she did not let the telegraphone pause. Skipping some unimportant calls, she began again. This was a call from Bella to Watson. Ross, that fellow Drummond called up today. Yes. He's going to pull it off tonight. His client will make good. Five thousand if they catch Halsey with the goods. How about it? Pretty soft, eh, Bella? came back from Watson. "'My God, it's a plant!' exclaimed Halsey, staggering and dropping heavily into a chair. "'I'm ruined. There's no way out.' "'Wait,' interrupted Constance. "'Here's another call. 
it may serve to explain why luck was with me to-night i came prepared yes mrs lamar came another strange voice from the machine we'd do anything for mr watson what is it a pack of strippers yes the aces stripped from the ends the kings from the sides the group looked eagerly at constance from the maker of fake gambling apparatus i find she explained shutting off the machine they were ordering from him cards cut or trimmed so that certain ones could be readily drawn from the deck or stripped small wedge-shaped strips are trimmed off the edges of all the other cards leaving the aces say projecting just the most minute fraction of an inch beyond the others everything is done carefully the rounded edges at the corners are recut to look right when the cards are shuffled the aces protrude a trifle over the edges of the other cards it is a simple matter for the dealer to draw or strip out as many aces as he wants stack them on the bottom of the pack as he shuffles the cards and draw them from the bottom whenever he wants them strippers are one of the newest things in swindling marked cards are out of date but some decks have the aces stripped from the ends the kings from the sides with this pack as you can see a sucker can be dealt out the kings while the house player gets the aces drummond brazened it out with a muttered oath he turned to watson again what rot is this the stock watson he repeated where is that stock i heard them talking about mrs noble forgetting all now but halsey paled bella lamar was fumbling at her gold mesh bag she gave a sudden suppressed little scream look she cried they are blank those stock certificates he gave me drummond seized them roughly from her hands where the signature should have been there was nothing at all across the face of the stock were the words in deep black sample certificate written in an angular feminine hand what did it mean halsey was as amazed as any of them mechanically he turned to constance i didn't say anything last night she remarked incisively but i had my suspicions from the first i always look out for the purry kind of my dear woman they have claws last night i watched to-day i learned learned that you mr drummond were nothing but a blackmailer using these gamblers to do your dirty work hadn't they would have thrown you out like a squeezed lemon as soon as the money you had was gone they would have taken the bribe that drummond offered for the stock and they would have left you nothing but jail i learned all that over the telegraphone i learned their methods and knowing them even i could not be prevented from winning to-night halsey moved as if to speak but he asked eagerly the stock certificates what of them the stock she answered with deliberation did you ever hear that writing in quinoline will appear blue but will soon fade away while other writing in silver nitrate and ammonia invisible at first after a few hours appears black you wrote on those certificates in sympathetic ink that fades i in ink that comes up soon mrs noble was crying softly to herself they still had her notes for thousands halsey saw her instantly he forgot his own case what was to be done about her he telegraphed a mute appeal to constance forgetful of himself now constance was fingering the switch of the telegraphone drummond remarked constance significantly as though other secrets might still be contained in the marvellous little mechanical detective drummond don't you think for the sake of your own reputation as a detective it might be as well to keep this thing quiet for a moment the detective gripped his wrath and seemed to consider the damaging record of his conversation with bella lamar perhaps he agreed sullenly constance reached into her chatelaine from it she drew an ordinary magnet and slowly pulled off the armature if i run this over the wires she hinted holding it near the spools the record will be wiped out she paused impressively let me have those i o u s of mrs noble's 
By the way, you might as well give me that blank stock, too. There is no use in that now. As she laid the papers in a pile on the table before her, she added the old forged certificates from Halsey's pocket. There it lay, the incriminating, ruining evidence. Deliberately, she passed the magnet over the thin steel wire, wiping out what it had recorded, as if the recording angel were blotting out from the book of life. Try it, Drummond, she cried, dropping on her knees before the open fireplace. You will find the wire a blank. There was a hot, sudden blaze as the pile of papers from the table flared up. There, she exclaimed, those gambling debts were not even debts of honor. If you will call a cab, Haddon, I have reserved a table at Jade's for you and Mrs. Noble. It is a farewell. Drummond will not occupy his place in the corner tonight. But after it, you are to forget, both of you, forever. You understand? End of chapter 4